Today's global consumers clear in their demand for safe, affordable, and sustainable protein. To continue to meet these rising expectations requires both leadership and collaboration with food chain stakeholders, academia, and the veterinary community. MSD Animal Health is pleased to amplify the voices of leaders throughout the protein supply chain here on this podcast, caring for animals and creating trust in food. Welcome back to the Caring for Animals and Creating Trust in Food podcast. I'm Jane Dukes with the Animal Health Value Chain and Consumer Affairs team, and I'll be your host as we take a look today at transparency as the currency of trust. Our focus this year has been on answering questions about food and agriculture. Earlier this year, we released our first ever Transparency in Animal Protein Consumer Research Study that found two-thirds of consumers reported transparency in animal protein, that's meat, fish, eggs, and dairy, is extremely or very important. Transparency is personal to consumers. They are concerned about their health and the health of animals and the planet. And 84% reported being very or somewhat willing to pay a 5% premium for transparency on the label. The study also found that animal care and sustainability are important purchase considerations. We feel this topic is so important that we're sponsoring the upcoming Transparency Summit hosted by the Center for Food Integrity this November in Chicago. My guest today will fill us in on all the details of the summit, and we'll also discuss the increased skepticism stakeholders across the food value chain are facing from customers, consumers, and investors, and how we can work together to provide critical transparency on topics like food safety, ingredients, animal welfare, labor and business practices, and environmental impact. Please welcome Charlie Arnott, CEO of the Center for Food Integrity, a national not-for-profit organization dedicated to building consumer trust and confidence in today's food system. Charlie is recognized as an industry leader on food and agriculture issues. If you've thought about trust in the food system, you've surely come across some of his work. He is a thought-provoking writer and speaker and is also president of Look East, a communications consulting company based in Kansas City. I've known Charlie for many, many years, and I'm so glad he could join us today. Charlie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jane. It's great to be with you. It's always nice to spend some time with old friends, particularly those who are leading the charge on transparency and trust. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. So we've got a lot to talk about today, but before we start, Charlie, please tell our listeners a little bit about the Center for Food Integrity and its mission. And if, if you could, please share the most common consumer question you and your company get and how do you answer it? So the Center for Food Integrity, as you noted, is a nonprofit organization that represents companies across the entire food system, from MSD Animal Health all the way to Costco and Kroger and Chick-fil-A and Cisco and Starbucks, to other input suppliers like Corteva and Bayer, to farm organizations like uh, the Dairy Management Incorporated, the Dairy Checkoff, the Pork Checkoff, and others, including the World Wildlife Fund. And being able to bring that diverse group of stakeholders together adds real value because we can answer questions about trust and transparency looking at it across the entire value chain. And so that's one of the unique benefits that our members understand and, and perceive is the opportunity to connect with those up and down the value chain to really understand how we look at this from 360 degrees. The most common questions we get are really tied to what's important to me. Consumers are not monolithic, and there are 350 million different opinions about what we should be doing when it comes to food and agriculture. And so it's really important and challenging for us to be able to engage. But really the questions, if you distill it all down, 
come down to, is the food system operating in a way consistent with my values? And whether we're talking about animal health, we're talking about protein production, we're talking about protein consumption or animal welfare, sustainability, really it all boils down to, are you operating in a way consistent with my values and my expectations? And so that's the opportunity we have to be more transparent, to answer those questions, to engage in that conversation. And we know that that actually builds trust. And trust is what it's all about. So, you know, that's a nice segue. We're here to talk about transparency as the currency of trust and the Transparency Summit. So let's dive in. We've known each other for a long time, Charlie, and the trust research that CFI did many years ago has really been groundbreaking. It began to protect farmers and ranchers' freedom to operate, but it's evolved over the last decade. Tell our listeners about that evolution, where we've come from, and where you believe we're headed with transparency as the currency of trust. Yeah, well, Jane, you and I both started in the industry when we were probably 12, which was still several years ago, right? But we all, we, we started that whole conversation really thinking that we needed to educate consumers, that it was really an information deficit problem. If we just gave people the right facts, the data, the right information, clearly they would see the logic in that and they would come to our side of the argument. Our peer-reviewed and published model for building trust shows that connecting on values is three to five times more important than sharing data in building trust. When I first saw that that data set come back, I assumed that the researchers had actually flipped the data table and gotten them wrong because I was so vested in it's got to be factual, it's got to be scientific, and now we understand that actually the opposite is true. So that's been an important evolution and something that it's been a challenge at times for organizations to embrace, to understand that science is absolutely essential, but it's not sufficient. In and of itself, science is not sufficient for building trust. We really have to connect on values. And that means you have to be willing to listen, to engage and understand with empathy the perspective of others. And if you're able to do that, you're able to make that values-based connection, which then gives you permission to introduce other facts and information. But it all starts based on values. And so that's been part of the, the critical evolution that we've seen. And I think as as organizations across the food system, whether they're involved in agriculture or food processing or retailing, uh, have come to appreciate the need to engage in in values-based conversations. We've been a resource to be able to help them along that journey. Yeah, it's less about the how you do things, but, you know, more about the why, the why you do things, right? So let's talk about consumers and their need for transparency from the food value chain and the transparency many are looking for on the animal protein label. According to our Transparency in Animal Protein study, the ask is greater for animal agriculture than it is for agriculture in general. Knowing consumers the way you do, why do you think that is and how has transparency really become the currency of trust and how can we work together in the food value chain with organizations like CFI and MSD Animal Health to build trust? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's complex, right? You know, one of the challenges is the the complicated relationship that we have with animals. Are they competitors? Are they companions? Are they food? And the answer is yes to all three of those. And so that ends up creating some cognitive dissonance or discomfort for people as they think about the different roles that animals play in their lives. And so there's a higher bar when it comes to building trust in animal production because people understand that these are sentient beings and they want to make sure that those animals are raised in a way that's consistent with our values, that we care for them, that we make sure we're caring for their welfare. We raise them in a way that is good for the planet and good for people and good for the animals. And then they give us permission to be able to use those animals to produce food. But it's a combination of, of doing all of those things that helps consumers understand that we are, in fact, trustworthy in animal agriculture. But it's an appreciation for the fact that consumers do have a complex relationship with animals, and that's what part of what leads to those increased expectations for those of us involved in animal agriculture. 
And, and it hasn't declined at all. Every year, year over year, the interest in how animals are grown and raised increases. Do you see that continuing? Oh, absolutely. Each of us has access to unlimited information in our hand all the time. And so we continue to explore the information that's relevant to us. And we see the, you know, the, the infinite number of channels that have, have emerged to provide information on any topic under the sun. And so I might have a particular interest in a topic and I can find 10 to 12 different channels that will give me information, each with a slightly different perspective. And so because of that proliferation of information, I can now find information that is aligned with my values. And we have to find ways to engage in those conversations because it will just continue to increase as people find the opportunity to use technology to access information, to inform their opinions, and to engage in conversation. And that is what's really changed since you and I were 12 just a few years ago, is the, is the access to information. So what do you tell stakeholders in the, in the value chain to do so that consumers are finding the information that represents your values and, and, and what you stand for and how you're operating your business. Yeah. It's a real challenge because we transitioned from mass communication to masses of communicators, right? I mean, when, when you and I got started in this business, we had ABC, NBC, and CBS, and they carry roughly the same stories every night and with a slightly different anchor or slightly different reporter, but we had kind of a common understanding of what was going on in the world because that was the information that all of us had. But today, it, it's, again, infinitely segmented, and we can find information that's specifically relevant to us. So one of the things that's really important in this environment is for companies to identify who are the stakeholders that are really relevant to this conversation for them. No one has the, the resources to engage every consumer on every topic. And so it's identifying which consumers are truly relevant to you, which other stakeholders are truly relevant to you, who influences those stakeholders and those consumers, and how do you engage them in a very transparent, authentic way so they can understand your values, you understand their values, and you can engage in a dialogue that actually results in greater trust. Right. So on the Transparency Summit website, it says transparency is no longer optional. So it's table stakes. Talk a little bit about that. And what does that mean for businesses today, whether you're a farmer, rancher, or a packer, processor, or a restaurant? Yeah, it's it's a fundamental shift. And and agriculture has a has a complicated relationship with transparency. Those on production typically have an opinion that, you know, we have nothing to hide, but it's none of your business. Right. And and that's not because we are we are trying to be deceptive or trying to hide. Things. It's just the culture. Right. We, most people that are at the point of production grew up in, in an environment where what happens on my farm is my business. What happens on your farm is your business. We respect our neighbors fences. We respect our neighbors privacy and we expect them to to respect ours. And so the culture was really not one of being terribly open and sharing. And so to have this new expectation that consumers can get information about who we are and what we do at any point in time can be a bit jarring for those who grew up in a very different kind of culture with very different expectations for how we're going to share information. And so there is this transformation that takes place. I think the other thing that's critical for those in, in animal production to understand is the typical grocery store has 40,000 SKUs or 40,000 different products, each of which could come with a potential set of issues or backstory. And so it's our role to make sure that our retailers and others have the information they need to be successful. It's not their job to defend or protect our interest. It's our job to make sure we protect and defend their interest as our customers. So the dynamics are very different than they were a couple of decades ago because of the changes in communication technology that empower each of us to look for information on, on, at a moment's notice. 
you know, that's, that's interesting that you say that, you know, at, at the same time, farmers are also busy. I mean, they're working 24 seven, they, you know, this was a shift for them. They don't have a lot of extra time. But when you talk about grocery stores having all these SKUs, you know, it, it's a heavy lift. Where do organizations start? Like, where should they start if they want to be transparent? Well, it, it's a great question. And, and we kind of see this evolution from why to what to how, right? So that's kind of the evolution that organizations take on their transparency journey. They begin with trying to understand why, why do I need to be transparent? What, I mean, how is this relevant to me and my business? Once they kind of integrate that and begin to understand the real business value to being transparent, because it is crucial to building trust, then they begin to ask the questions, well, what does this actually mean? Does this mean we share everything about everything that we're doing? I mean, you know, it's the old line that if, if, if I knew I was going to be living in a glass house and being naked, I'd have, start work, I'd have started working out long ago, right? Well, it's not that, right? It's not everything all the time to everybody, but it's finding out what's relevant to those stakeholders and how are you going to share it. And then it gets down to the how, right? The mechanics. But it is that journey from why to what to how that organizations take as they begin to integrate transparency into their culture and understand the real value of being more transparent. And and that sets us up very nicely for my next question. It's transparency isn't just for the food value chain. It's not just about food, but it's becoming the expectation across business segments. I don't know anybody that makes a purchase nowadays without looking it up online, reading the reviews and, and uh, doing a lot of research. And now we have these new generations of shoppers who are the younger generation, the millennials and the Gen Z who grew up with technology in their hands. You said that transparency is most effective when it becomes part of a company's culture and is inherent to every department and activity performed. That sounds like a heavy lift. Where do people start? And what would you say to any company looking to increase transparency to build trust? Yeah, it's a great question. And it is a journey and, and it can be a challenge, but it really has to become integrated into the culture for it to be successful. So we talk about kind of moving from and to. So from not sharing unless there's a compelling reason to to sharing unless there's a compelling reason not to, from strictly sharing only what's required and then being forced to disclose things later and being defensive to making sharing a standard practice and anticipating what stakeholders want to know and being proactive in your disclosure. You know, from, from having this be an issues-focused kind of activity where we're putting together ad hoc transparency policies and processes based on a topic, to having transparency principles and standard governance processes that everybody understands is an enabler, because you really have to have everybody in the organization empowered to be transparent. From saying nothing or as little as possible uh, when somebody asks a question to being willing to admit we don't have an answer or explaining why we can't share specific information, but addressing the underlying concern from another angle. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend just a couple more minutes on that because that one is crucially important. Oftentimes, if we, if we take the time to peel the onion back a little bit more, we can actually scratch that information itch. So if, if I were to, to send an email to McDonald's and say, you know, I, I, would, I would like the recipe for your secret sauce for Big Mac, you know, the answer could be no, that's proprietary. It's our intellectual property. We don't share that. Or it could be really appreciate your request. Tell me more about why you're interested. And my interest may be that my doctors told me I need to be on a low sodium diet. And so I'm really interested in the ingredients. Okay, well, I can share that information, but it requires that willingness to engage. Transitioning from where employees are unclear about what they're able to share to where employees are empowered to share the company's point of view and they're comfortable with questions about the company and the industry. And this one is really the, the last one, perhaps the most challenging from sharing, being open and transparent, carrying internal political risk 
to openness and transparency is authentically encouraged and rewarded. Because oftentimes organizations fail if someone stumbles and, and overshares or shares something that, that maybe shouldn't have been shared, and all of a sudden it creates political risk for me internally as, a, as an employee. And, and the consequences of that then cause a chilling effect across the organization. So you get a sense of, of really the importance of making this a cultural change and empowering people to be transparent and recognizing like any other cultural change, it's going to take time. It's not something that happens overnight, and it really requires people to be willing to engage in that conversation in a fundamentally different way. And that's going to be a huge transition for a lot of companies, particularly big companies, because you don't know what people are going to say when they share. Right, right. You know, it reminds me, Jane, of, of the early days of social media when companies had policies that, you know, thou shalt not post anything on social media about our company. Well, that's ridiculous, right? I mean, we spend a majority of our life at work. And so to, to assume that people aren't going to share what's going on with, with at work and on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, that's just not realistic, right? So it's an evolution where, where organizations realize that, okay, not sharing is not good for us, but then it's overwhelming to think about how do we begin to do that. And so that's where there are tools, there are processes that, that are available to help companies along that journey. And you have a lot of tools. CFI has a lot of tools for companies. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we do. And we're going to be sharing some more of these at the summit coming up. But one of the things that we've developed is a pretty simple transparency assessment, which gives organizations the ability to evaluate how are they currently perceived by key stakeholders uh, on that level of transparency. So we're currently engaging with uh, Wawa and Chick-fil-A and Bush Brothers on, on conducting that assessment. And it's a very simple 24-question assessment that we know from our previous research has been validated. And so then we'll be able to give companies a scorecard card to basically say, you know, here are the seven different elements of transparency. Here's how stakeholders perceive your performance on these seven elements of transparency. So here's where you can improve and here are some strategies to, to make those improvements. So, you know, we manage what we measure. And so being able to measure the perception of transparency gives companies information to then evaluate, okay, if our employees see us as being transparent in this area, but not that area, how do we improve? If our customers see us as being transparent on that area, but not this area, how do we improve? So it provides that feedback mechanism, which then stimulates the conversation, which can then lead to implementing some of those changes. Can you talk a little bit about the seven elements of transparency? What are they? So I'm so glad you asked. We, we, we did some research to identify uh, really what's important about transparency. And it all started really understanding the bias against size and scale. So as we've done transparency and trust research over the last 15 years, we really identified that there was this bias against big. The larger the company, the larger the farm, the more likely the public is to believe that you'll put profit ahead of public interest. And so that creates that trust gap and trust deficit for larger organizations. So we did a lot of research trying to explore what could be effective strategies. What, what are the effective strategies that can help you overcome that bias against size? And we identified transparency as the most effective strategy. Then we had to identify, well, then, you know, what actually constitutes trust building transparency? So we did secondary research and identified a number of different elements. And then we verified those in quantitative consumer research. So the seven elements are motivation, acting in a manner that's ethical and consistent with stakeholder interest, disclosure, sharing all information publicly, both positive and negative, and that's information that's relevant to those stakeholders, stakeholder participation, engaging those who are interested in your activities or impact. And one of the things that we found out about, the, about stakeholder participation in the research that was so powerful 
is that if you explain how and why you made a decision, even if you make a decision that stakeholders don't agree with, they are much less likely to be angry about it if you simply engage them and explain how and why that decision was made. Uh, number four is relevance, sharing information that stakeholders deem relevant, which means you have to ask them what's relevant to them. Clarity, sharing information that's easily understood and easily obtained. Every company, every sector of the, of, of the food system has its own jargon, its own technical language. So it's important to understand how we make that language accessible to others. Credibility, that's sharing positive and negative information that supports informed stakeholder decision and a history of operating with integrity. So I need to give you information that helps you make a decision that's right for you and your family. And in so doing, I build that trust. And then finally, accuracy, sharing information that is truthful, objective, reliable, and complete. And completes the important part of that because I can say I'm only gonna answer the question you asked or am I going to give you the information that I think you really want to know? And so that's where that disclosure piece really comes into play. As I listen to you talk about these elements of transparency, I can't help but think of how important they are in a crisis, too, a crisis on the farm or a crisis in your business. All of those things are make up a good crisis response. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. Where can um, businesses get this information if they're interested in learning more? Yeah, they can go to foodintegrity.org and, and download some of the tools or ask for more information. We'll be happy to follow up with them and, and uh, reach out and share it. Okay. Or they could also come to the Transparency Summit. So tell us who's coming, who should come, what's on the agenda. Give us all the details. So the Transparency Summit, it's our, it's our first annual. So we're anticipating doing this again. The Transparency Summit will be November 14 and 15 at the Lowe's Chicago O'Hare Hotel. So it's in the Rosemont area. And really anybody who's interested in transparency. So when we think about this, what we found in organizations is the champion for being more transparent can come from a wide variety of sectors within the company. Could be corporate affairs, could be food safety and regulatory, could be sustainability or ESG, supply chain research and development, innovation, marketing, C-suite leaders. We've worked with companies where the champion for transparency has come from any of those individual sectors. And so we encourage those who have an interest in transparency to come and learn more. And we've really established the the, the agenda in such a way that it will empower people to, to take day one, which will be from kind of noon to five, and understand the, the foundations of transparency. And uh, I think that's where MSD Animal Health, and, and you'll be sharing some of the, the research you've done and the, and the best practices that, that you're engaged in, but we'll understand uh, kind of the research that others have been doing on transparency, best practices. Then we're going to have a really interesting conversation about how do we equitably distribute the cost and value of transparency and sustainability across the value chain. Oftentimes, those at the point of production, farmers, are given mandates without any additional compensation. And so we're going to be having companies across the value chain have a conversation about how do we equitably distribute the value and the costs associated with being more transparent. Then day two, it's really how can we share models and give people tools to be effective, putting transparency models to work, sharing the research that we have done, feedback on those who've done the transparency assessment about what's working, uh, and then how transparency has transformed different organizations. You know, and I'm, I'm thrilled with the, with the caliber of speakers who we've been able to secure from PepsiCo, Costco, obviously MSD Animal Health. Cargill, Kroger, Wawa, Chick-fil-A, Deloitte, Farm Bureau, Iowa Farm Bureau, Corteva, and many others. So it's, it's going to be a great opportunity. And you don't have to be an expert in transparency. It doesn't have to be something that is a burning issue for you today. But if it's something that you recognize as being of interest and something that will be value to your organization over time, 
now's the opportunity you have to come and learn and participate in that dialogue and learn from others. That's great. And we're so excited. And we will put a link to the um, registration website in the podcast show notes. So um, as we wrap things up, Charlie, let's look and do a crystal ball. What does the future hold? What, where do you think tra- the transparency trend is headed? I think we're in the early days, Jane. I mean, you know, we, you and I have been working on these kinds of issues for a long time, but, but these are slow burns. It takes a time for companies to understand the value of being more transparent. Again, they go from that why to what to how, and we still have a lot of organizations trying to figure out why. Why, why should I be transparent? And then what does that mean? And then how do I do it? And it's difficult to make that journey in a short period of time because you're talking about cultural change. And cultural change takes time. But I think the demand for transparency is something going to increase because consumers continue to want more information about where their food comes from, how it was produced, what's the impact on the planet, what's the impact on animals, what's the impact on me. And they're going to be looking for that information. The real challenge, one of the challenges we have is if we don't make that information available, the perception is either that we have something to hide or They're going to go to other sources that don't necessarily have the same caliber of information and don't have the interest of the food system at heart. And so there's real economic value in being more transparent and sharing that information. And kudos to you and your team for doing the research that really helps identify what's important and how we can engage more effectively. Well, thank you, Charlie. We are so excited. This has been a great conversation. Thank you, Charlie, for joining us today to talk about transparency and why it is critical to building trust with consumers. Thanks also to our listeners. We'd love for you to rate, review, or subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Be sure to check out the podcast show notes for helpful links, including a link to the Transparency Summit website. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.